Welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. I am Adam, and I am here with Alex Deacon himself, the main, the main man, the myth, the legend. Alex, how are we doing today, sir? Hey, I am Alex Deacon, and the man, the myth, the legend is doing just fine. <laughs> so today, out of our now that we're uh, we're creeping up on our seventeenth hour of programming for everybody what? out there. Wow, yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so right now we've never covered short sales. So why don't we do a little short podcast here on short sales about short sales? Wow, boom boom. Okay, so short sale. What is a short sale, Adam? You know what? I from what I understand is a short sale in essence is something is a position where you can't sell a house for what you owe on it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it for sure. Okay, so <laughs> and that's it, pretty much it. And it's most rudimentary form. Yeah. And this was really prevalent in a lot of other parts of the country. Like, for example, anything on, like, beachfront was going crazy as far as price-wise. Like, um, double, triple, quadruple in value in four years is just insane. So when the market crashed in 2008, short sales were, like, very prevalent in those areas. And, of course, other markets. I mean, like Las Vegas and, I'm sure, a lot of areas in California and um, and here in Pittsburgh we didn't we didn't feel that because we we never had that ma massive appreciation you know we had just average appreciation three percent a year and so we never really felt a huge hit so short sales here are not nearly as common as they are that was in other parts of the country question, yeah. so so I just answered a question on the forum today about a short sale and that's what I thought we'd talk about it so the question was um, the guy was buying a property from an owner and they had to do a short sale because what the owner's balance on the property was greater than actually what the property's worth. So here's how I've done them in the past and I've done them for clients and this is how they work at least the ones that I've experienced is this is how they work. So the first thing you're gonna have to do is meet a buyer who's in that situation a seller who's in that situation then you negotiate a price with the seller bank has nothing to do with the price you negotiate so let's say you negotiate hundred fifty thousand dollars and you both sign a sales agreement the next thing the bank's gonna want is they're gonna they're gonna want to see the property the first thing they're gonna want is see it listed with an agent so le you legitimately have to find an agent who's willing to list it Okay. And sometimes the bank may even want it to be on the market first for a little bit. But the ones I've done is that you, you have them listed with an agent, then you go to the bank with a listing agreement, and you go to the bank with the sales agreement that you've already agreed on with the seller. And the next step is the seller has to contact the loss mitigation department of that bank. And has to have a discussion with them. What do I? What's the next step I need to do? I'm, I'm going to have to sell my home. It's a short sale. The bank's going to send you out a packet, a short sale packet, you know, questionnaires on it, and so on and so forth. Now, you can't do a short sale if, let's say, you're underwater on your, your house. It's worth 150 but you owe 200 mm -hmm. And the bank finds out that you have a million dollars in the bank. Right. Right. It's not going to work because right. the bank's going to see your assets. Right. So you're going to have to fill out all that personal information, provide tax returns. They're going to want all this information in that short sale packet. 
Now let's just say for all intents and purposes that the packet gets accepted and we're good. Now we can move to the next step. The next step is they take everything that you provided in the packet, the seller, they take the listing agreement, they take the sales contract, they review it all, and then they're going to send out someone to look at the home to evaluate the value of it. Right? They're not going to even do anything until they send out an appraiser or another real estate broker. And that's called, that's not an appraisal, that's called a BPO, a broker's price opinion. Once they get that value back, so let's say, and you just don't know what that's going to come in at. Let's say that broker comes out or that appraiser comes out and says, we feel the house is worth 180. You've offered them 150, right? So the bank may look at that and say, okay, are we going to accept 180 or 150 even though it's worth 180? They may. But chances are they're going to they're going to want as close to 180 as possible like maybe within 10%. So they may counter your offer as a buyer. They may say, you know, what? we're willing to do a short sale because the buyer has the the seller has no financial way to pay this mortgage we're gonna have to as a bank foreclose hire an attorney it can take six months to a year or longer to get this property back we're gonna lose tens of thousands of dollars we will sell it to you mister buyer right now for 160 then you as the buyer need to figure out if 160 works for you now could it go into a bidding war where you go back and forth for a little bit to mm -hmm. okay yeah okay absolutely and then, and here's the other thing you have to remember: if there's more than one loan, sometimes there's a first, and then there's a second mortgage, and even a third mortgage. Right. You might as well just like chalk that one up as never happening. <laughs> it's so difficult because now you have three lenders to contend with. Okay. So the first lender who has first position, if it does go to foreclosure, those other two get wiped out. Okay. Uh, okay. So the first lien holder has really all the leverage because the other two liens will go away so when there's more than just you have to remember when there's more than one lien on the property you, you might as well just move on to the yeah because otherwise it gets too messy so yeah. there's a primary secondary then it just kind of so let me down. step back let me let me explain this too maybe before you even after you sign the sales agreement and tie up the property mm -hmm. maybe the next thing you want to do as an, a buyer is just have your attorney do a quick $100, $150 title search and see if there's any other liens on the property. Because you might find there's a second and third mortgage and you might realize that, okay, this is definitely not worth expending the time and energy. Let me just move on. And that's pretty much how it works. So you either negotiate with the bank or they're just unrealistic and they're like, you know, we want 180, that's all we're going to accept. You walk away, the bank has to foreclose and you go on to the next deal. That's pretty much how a short sale will work. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of little steps in between, but those are the those are the major points. They're not they're not like the funnest thing to do. Um, I find that they don't work a lot because the number that you need to get the property for as an investor is much lower than what makes sense to the bank. So it's sometimes it's really hard to come together to find that perfect storm where the bank's willing to accept the number that makes sense and the deal can be 
consummated and you can close. And, and is that because of the market we're in in Pittsburgh because we're so stable and, and where – you know because you said it, this is a little more common in like beachfront areas, maybe more mm-hmm. touristy type, you know, type of spots. Is this something that it, it does work a little better in those areas or is it still kind of something you'd want to stray away from? It's just more common because of property values. Yeah, I would never like – turn down a potential short sale i just i just know the the hurdles ahead of me and i i'm not like expecting it to close to be honest gotcha so if a short sale presents itself sure give it a shot but just know that there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of time it could go three four five six months before you ever close if it closes at all so there's a lot of hoops to jump through basically Mm -hmm. just for almost a a short term is this almost the instant gratification style sale because you know, we always talk about how you know it's it's better to play the long game sometimes you know patience. It, it, do you see people going with a short sale if it, when it's presented to them? It, can this be a little more instant gratification versus you know waiting out five years, you know six months versus five years? It won't be the same payoff, obviously, but no, it, it nah. it's not it's not it's neither. Okay, it's not instant gratification nor the other where you have to wait it out. It that depends on the deal itself. Gotcha. Okay. So, just I hope that helps. Ooh, we got a. Did you hear that? Got a visitor. What was that? It's haunted up here. Uh oh. Yeah. So, back to the topic. We, <laughs> I hope this helps everybody at least get it, their general arms wrapped around what a short sale entails. And uh, I guess if you need any assistance on that, you can always email me, alex at alexdeacon.com. Find you on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, happy to help. And um, you can go to our website, dhrea.com, and let me know. Yeah, and you know, you can find Alex on Twitter at AlexDeacon712. He's on Facebook. Uh, find Alex Deacon uh, uh, Real Estate Workshops. Uh, Deacon Hoover Real Estate Advisors on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Deacon Hoover. Guys, search, uh, search Alex Deacon real estate investing with Alex Deacon or Deacon Hoover on your favorite podcasting sites to get all of the 17 hours of of, uh, information that we have for you here. Um, Listen, for Alex, for everyone here at DHRE, we thank you so much for listening into this audio short and we'll see you next time.